Going Linux, episode 391, listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address at goinglinks at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Hi, Bill. Hey, Larry. So, did you participate in the uh, Ubuntu test week? I did not. I was busy with work, but did oh. you? Yeah, I did. I said I last um, episode. I said I wasn't going to do any distro hopping, but I had to do a little bit because I wanted to help test um, Ubuntu, you know, twenty oh four, which is coming out in I think about what less than seven eight days now. And so I found a few bugs, and there's a new Ubuntu. Um, remix that's trying to get official uh, status mm-hmm. uh, as a flavor for Ubuntu and it, it's probably my favorite uh, it has the deep end desktop but it's on the 2004 and so I wanted to help them out and I also helped uh, test out some of the Ubuntu Mate okay. uh, builds so I've been testing those two um, I've been using both of them, the Ubuntu Mate right now is sitting on the test machine, and I've uh, I went from the alpha when they released the alpha. I just downloaded the new ISO and went and went to the beta, um, and because uh, uh, Martin said that you could uh, just keep upgrading it all the way to the final, so I uh, they didn't recommend that for the alpha, but that beta right. they said you could do it, so I decided to do it that way, and it's it's worked really really well. Uh, I also have uh, 1804 because uh, I was testing some of the backporting of the colors. Uh, you gave me the PPA to add those. Right. That is a 600 meg download. Oh yeah! <laughs> if you download everything, it does. <laughs> Wait, what do you think I did? Of course. I didn't. Of course. I didn't just pick one color. I picked them all. Yeah. Well, you could download just the colors you want, but if you want, you know, brown and pink and blue and green and all that sort of stuff well yeah it comes with green but so yeah it it was really simple the uh, github has simple instructions on how to do it and i got it up and i was looking at it It was kind of nice that they kind of backported that to 1804 uh you know so you backport it it looks pretty good it does Um, yeah it 2004 looks really really uh for ubuntu mate works really really well the uh, the Ubuntu uh, or the Ubuntu DDE, which is the deep end desktop that they're trying to get the official flavor. Um, I've downloaded the, the different ISOs, and now I, oh, I've just downloaded uh, the other night um, their last official, and there and it's looking good. The only thing I was talking to you about it is I didn't quite understand why they went with the Calamari's installer. Uh, I don't like it as much i mean it's workable i know how to use it but i like the what is it ubiquity ubiquity Ubiquity, Uh, yeah yeah Yeah. 
I I don't know why they that works so well. I'm I'm still trying to figure out why they just didn't use that because it's so familiar. But uh, just different preferences, I guess, by the developer. Yeah, yeah, different preferences. I mean, it's it works well. I'm actually running it right now. Uh, I've ha- I haven't had any errors with it. Um, yes, I'm not totally that callous that I didn't. I don't have a backup. <laughs> I have Elementary OS installed on it, uh, just in case this thing totally dies. <laughs> I can quickly switch to something that works. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is a beta, so anyway. Well, it, you know, they have a little bit to go through to do things the canonical way, and then, yeah. uh, you know, once they get listed as an official flavor, then... I don't know whether the uh, installer is required to use uh, Ubiquity or whether they can continue to use Calamari, but it'd be kind of uh, interested. It it'd be kind of interesting to find out uh, a little different way of doing things. Yeah. Yeah, I was re- uh, reading uh, some of the uh, Martin who was, according to their uh, notes, uh, has been helping them along with some of the other uh, Ubuntu devs. So. Yeah, it looks like they've got uh, some of the smartest guys working on it. But, uh, you know, I've just been using uh, it, or I'll I'll log into elementary uh, OS um, just when I need to make sure that nothing's going to, you know, blow up, or I need to make sure it's going to get done. And uh, so it all works out. Um, My test with Arco uh, Linux finally... Um, I did a bad thing. Um, with Ubuntu, you know, it pops up and says you have software updates. Well, I I do update my my computer, of course, but apparently I let the test machine go a little too long (laughs) without updating it, and so uh, I looked at it one day and it had oh you have a hundred megs worth of updates because you get up it's a rolling release right okay and so i forgot about it because of work i'm i had to take on some additional duties uh the past couple weeks and i i logged in uh i i opened it up and i'm like oh it says i have almost a gig <laughs> of uplinks i should probably no. do that yeah so i went ahead and uh started it and was fixing dinner and i come back and say it should be done now and it says uh it couldn't do it because it had some package conflicts and i'm like huh well that's not good <laughs> so of course i uh it it said it couldn't go any farther so i closed the installer restarted it tried it again still have the package conflicts and i said ah, man this is kind of um this is kind of a bad thing, especially because we were trying to find something other than uh, Ubuntu-based yeah. distros. Right. And so uh, I said, okay. So it seems that, in my opinion, that if you're a new user, getting daily updates like that might not be the best. Especially if it trashes your computer, you know, or, well, it, or at least puts you in a situation that a newbie couldn't get out of easily. Yeah, I couldn't figure it out. Uh, I went to their wiki, uh, the wiki, I was reading through it and looking up error messages, and I'm like, this, no, I can't do this. this I, I'm not using it to get anything done except troubleshooting this thing. It's a great, it's a, it's a good concept, but I can't really 
recommend a rolling release right now, maybe when it gets a little better. Nothing wrong with the um, the project, but I finally decided that, eh, you know, I, I, if I can't, you know, I, need, I like to update on my time <laughs> schedule. Right. Uh, just because sometimes I just don't have time. I need to. I need it for work, or I need to do something. I don't want to have it sit there and download 300 megs of updates. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I I would suggest uh, staying with uh, Ubuntu-based distros or ones that are based on Ubuntu, like Ubuntu Mate, uh, Linux Mint, uh, Elementary OS. Um, Ubuntu DDE, which it's not, it's still in beta, but I had to throw it in there. But you know, one of those uh, types of you know distros, especially for first-time users. And you know, you, remember you asked me what I would recommend for a new user. Uh -huh. So I, I, I told, and I, I said I had two uh, that I'd recommend, and I, and that has not changed. It would be Ubuntu Mate or Linux Mint. I, I wouldn't use the Debian version of it, right. of, of, of uh, Linux Mint. It's, it's really solid, but it doesn't, but the easy use isn't quite uh, there as far as, you know, some of the drivers and stuff. It's not bad. If you have an Intel card, it'll work perfectly, but it has a, it has the Debian installer, uh, it, but it's themed nicely, but uh, I guess we've become spoiled because the Ubuntu guys have done such a great job in making it easy to install. It's even easier to install than than Windows, or is just as easy. So, uh, yeah, my thing is stay with Ubuntu-based until you got a little bit more uh, time in there, you know. Or sometimes, you know, Ubuntu Mate or or one of its flavors, or Linux Mint, um, it just works. I mean, Linux Mint just works. Ubuntu Mate just works. The um, last thing I was going to say is there was a, and it's kind of a stupid thing. I was playing with uh, some of the features in Ubuntu Mate, the new one, yeah. and uh, there's a stupid little application. It, it's it's a background noise generator. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's and it lets you like if you're in a coffee shop or wind or, or a fan or whatever, and it's it's just included. I thought it was really neat because you sometimes you want some background noise when you're typing something, you know. And it it was really really uh, it was a novel. I enjoyed that one quite a bit. So huh. it's uh, I think it's called A Sound or something. Is that in the software repositories? Or? It's either installed by default or it's something you can get from the store. But it integrates really nicely into the, the menu bar. And okay. um, when you open the volume, it's right there if, it, if you've got it installed. And you can just pick what you want to listen to and you can adjust the, the level of sound. But uh, I also enjoyed um, what... Uh, they did when they put, you know, now they have that do not disturb. Yes, for the notifications, yeah. Yeah, notifications, because uh, I've I been uh, living on Telegram, kind of following development of uh, of the different projects I'm interested in, you know, people talking and saying they're having issues. And uh, I was ha I was trying to write a letter, and it's like, and it, it would go ding, 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 and I finally said, do not disturb, and it just 
shit it all off. Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, so it's helpful when you're doing a podcast. You have to remember to turn it back on again. I don't know if I want to turn it back on. Yeah, I know we're all still, for the most part, uh, sheltering at home, stay at home, whatever. So I included uh, some Linux podcasts uh, for your listening pleasure that you might not have heard of. And the links are in there, but uh, I included Destination Linux. Uh, that's uh, really good. You have Big Daddy uh, Linux, which is uh, – I think the acronym is Biddle. And then you have uh, Mintcast. All of them are friendly. Uh, but like Destination Linux or Big Daddy uh, Linux, uh, they have some really cool interviews. They can sometimes go into some stuff. You can get little nuggets out of it. And the Mintcast is very new user-friendly. So uh, just maybe there's a, some more so you guys have something to listen to while you're staying at home. Um, mm -hmm. So I thought we'd throw a little love out there and see if uh, you know they might find uh, something else to listen to because – you know, they, uh, Big Daddy Linux, Destination Linux, you know, they they release pretty, I think, weekly. Um, yeah, they have been, yes. Uh, it's yeah. pretty uh, frequent release schedule for them. And I put Mintcast in there because they do have a Linux Mint bend, but they do cover other stuff. They do, But yeah. they release every two weeks, too. And if you're running Linux Mint... And you and you were wondering if there was a podcast, you know, covering some of the latest and greatest stuff or how tos. Uh, if you go into your podcast, or a lot of times if you type Linux, you it won't pull up. So yeah. <laughs> so I, I went ahead and put Midcast so that we could get show them a little love too. So if you're running Linux Mint and you didn't know they have a podcast, well, they actually do. There you go. Yeah. Okay, and all of those links will be in the show notes, of course. They're all in the show notes. Yeah. So uh, we've been getting a lot of voicemails on the voicemail line, so we better keep that thing. <laughs> you know, you mention it on one episode and people start using it. It's amazing. <laughs> well, because we what we got like one or two a year, and now some we've got we're getting three or four yeah. know, a week. Yeah, it's so, great. Yeah. It's great. So thank you for those of you who have been using the uh, the voicemail line that we have. So uh, shall we start with? Uh, Vic's voicemail? Yes. Okay. So Vic sent us our first feedback in the form of a voicemail in two parts. Uh, here we go. Hey, Bill. Hey, Larry. Um, my name is Vic here, just leaving a message for the show. Um, just curious, actually, who's the guy leaving the voicemail at the start of the voicemail there? Who did the uh, voiceover on that? Doesn't sound like either of you. So I um, don't know if that's an automated system or one of the previous presenters, Sergey or someone, anyway. Um, anyway, yeah, my name's Vic. I'm uh, an expat uh, living out in Oklahoma at the moment. Uh, just wanted to say, yeah, please keep the uh, the line going because uh, for one reason, yeah, you can leave a voicemail and send it by email, but if it's a long rambling uh, voicemail, then it's going to run into uh, email limits, uh, I imagine. Never really tried it, but I imagine uh, size-wise you might... With some email servers, uh, you're going to run into problems. I think uh, Google will do about uh, three uh, megs as an attachment. But anyway, that's uh, my two cents on it. Um, thanks very much for everything you do. been listening to you for years and years. Um, so lurking, I suppose. I've got in touch in the past once, I think. But uh, thanks so much for all you're doing. 
uh, really appreciate everything you do to keep uh, Linux in the foreground of people's minds and for making things easy. There's not many uh, shows out there that will actually uh, keep it easy and start uh, showing people how to get into it. One thing that I'd like to see uh, a little bit more on the show is more in terms of uh, workflows. I know you do a heck of a lot on that, but... Um, you know, in terms of uh, things like, okay, guy wants to do photography. What tools should he use for that? How, what's his workflow? How's he going to do the editing? Moving on from that, um, usual things like documentation isn't so bad. But you know, how do you uh, get a regular flow going for backups? Yeah, there's a whole load of options out there, but what do you use as a workflow? Stuff like that. You know, how do you actually use it in practice? Um, that, that would the sort of stuff that I'd like to see for users that you can just point them to and go for it. Um, another thing on that note is uh, hardware compatibility. I was uh, trying to put Linux on uh, friends, um, a couple of friends' laptops uh, recently, and they ran into issues with the uh, Wi-Fi uh, drivers. One of them had a Broadcom and uh, the other had an RTL chip in it. Well, I was rather surprised that the latest versions of um, of Ubuntu and Mint uh, didn't pick those up. So I don't know if they've not taken out the kernel or the proprietary. The hardware compatibility list uh, seems to have gone dead as a dodo, and I was looking for a distro that would basically uh, test all of the hardware on a system or give you a report, or you could maybe even do an automated upload of a report to uh, to a centralized database. Um, if you would, you know, so you could actually check all of the hardware is uh, is working, just run through some automated tests and give you like a red green uh, pass or no pass uh, for uh, for all the components uh, on your laptop or or box. And that way, um, you can move on to the next distro or just tell a guy to get another machine or something like that. Well, anyway, uh, didn't know if you knew of anything like that, um, or if anybody might be working on that. Seems to be a hole in the community uh, at the moment. I don't know why the distros don't do that, uh, but I can tell anyway. Um, anyway, uh, 73's a bill. Uh, I don't know if you listen to uh, Linux and the Hamshack. That's another. That's a good one. Uh, to uh, you've probably already heard of that one. So uh, anyway, yeah, I'm a ham as well. So uh, all the best. Cheers. So uh, about Vic's comment about workflow episodes and videos and that sort of thing, I think that's a great idea. We should do more of those. I'm not sure why we yeah. haven't. He mentioned about photo, um, yeah, the photo workflow, and we should actually do a show uh, a show on that and some of the software and how to get started. But uh, one of the things that um, that maybe uh, Vic and Les knows what. Uh, kind of computer uh, hardware he uses, and we could probably base it around something along those lines of because there's so many different applications. Some are a little bit more uh, heavyweight, some are more lightweight. Uh, what's what's he trying to do as far as is he just doing a simple enhance and crop, or does he want something more along uh, Photoshop level? Yeah, yeah, hardware compatibility is definitely one of the considerations when you're using Linux and if you typically if you're using all Intel in the computer it's going to work or if you buy a computer that was specifically designed for use with Linux much like you would buy a computer if you're using Mac OS that's specifically designed for Mac OS um, 
then you're going to have much better performance than if you try to use a Hackintosh computer or something like that. Yeah. Um, but with with Linux, of course, it's designed to be used on multiple kinds of yeah. computers as opposed to something like Mac OS, which is definitely not. Uh, I, I about the hardware compatibility that he brought up. I, I did want to um, mention just a few little uh, ideas. Um, if you're looking for a, a, a computer that will run um, that will run well, there's several different. You've got several different options. Some of the ones that come to mind is like System76. Uh, I believe. Uh, uh, I don't know if you can get them in the States. I know uh, on the Ubuntu Mate, they have the Emporium where they actually have uh, uh, a, a manufacturer they're working with that you can have um, Linux installed on it. And yeah, it's guaranteed to work. Yeah. Intraware. I don't know if you can get it in the United States. I, 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 I don't think they site. ship to the U.S., no. Uh, but I'm sure there's I – mean, well, we've got System76, and – it, it runs the uh, Pop OS, which is based on Ubuntu. So if you know that's something um, to kind of keep in uh, mind, if you, if you really want something, I think even Mint, uh, Linux Mint has uh, something they called uh, a machine from um, that is guaranteed to run well. Yeah, on the their, Mint Box. Yeah, Mint Box. That's it. So you have there's different options. You have Penguin computers uh, I've heard of, and there's a few others. Yeah, and if you if you dig around on the Dell site, you'll find some Linux oh, yeah, configurations there. And most Lenovo's, although they don't come with Linux pre-installed, they will run. Especially if it's a ThinkPad, they will run Linux no problem, regardless of which flavor of Linux you're using. I the only the only thing I I would suggest is um, you know look at if you're looking for something at work look for the ThinkPads they're usually pretty good if you can do if you do a search for Linux and the ThinkPad number um, or the model number it will usually tell you uh, the Google will tell you if you know people's experiences with it but if you have like a brand new shiny computer. Uh, you got to be a little more careful because sometimes the manufacturers are slow to release the specifications to open source, so sometimes they don't always run. Like some of the new uh, uh, NVIDIA cards and new uh, AM, AMD cards and even some of their the latest and greatest Threadrippers, they sometimes don't run really well. But if you have a computer that's one or two years old, it should work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, Vic also recommends... Linux in the Hamshack as one more uh, podcast that you can listen to. And if you are a Linux ham, as Vic and uh, Bill, you are, uh, that could be a good podcast for you. Yeah. I, I forgot about Linux and Hamshack. I haven't listened to them in a little while. I need to add a, put them back in my, uh, my podcast player or my list. So, yeah, they talk about Linux for ham, but they talk about other stuff too, so. They do, yeah. A lot of ham radio stuff, and they do recipe stuff, and all kinds of weird stuff, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, our next feedback is from Mike, and it's also a voicemail, so let's go ahead and listen to that, Larry. Hello, gentlemen. A real quick question. I have an old MP3 player uh, that has some DRM music formats, 
with the WMA, which is the Windows format. Is there any way I can get those off? I've downloaded them onto my Linux Mint system, and I have not been able to figure out any way to get the DRM to bypass that so I can play them. I'd appreciate uh, if you could uh, give me some help on that. This is Mike from Kansas, and I appreciate your help. Thank you so much. He was talking about wanting to convert some songs he had bought from Microsoft from the WMA audio files with DRM to play on Linux Mint. So I did a little searching. Uh, when he said Linux Mint, I know it's Ubuntu-based. So I went to the Ubuntu forums, which, and I included the link that I found. It talks about um, doing from iTunes, which uses the, some, uh, the ones you buy for us that protective AAC. Uh, but uh, you could, the advice they gave, and which I've done, is um, go ahead and burn it to a CD and then re-rip it back as either an MP3 or an AUG or a FLAC. Um, if you're looking for maximal um, uh, compatibility, go with MP3. Mm -hmm. If you have a, um, a, a phone or a player that will support AUG, Use AUG, but you should be able to take the the uh, songs that you've gotten and burn them to a CD, like a regular auto CD, and then re-rip them back to your computer. The only the only thing I do want to point out, it might you might be running afoul of some legal issues, and so if you own them, uh, do this at your own risk. I can't. I'm, I, we can't uh, say go and break the law because it depends on licensing and stuff. You know, Microsoft likes their licenses. Um, so uh, that's a way you can get the music in a for format that you can use on on different computers, on different devices. You just got to make sure that you're not breaking the law. Right, exactly. And, you know, since I'm sure that Mike is using Linux now as opposed to the uh, audio player that he was using before that that actually uh, allowed him to play the WMA files, he is not going to be able to do anything with iTunes. So, no. you know, if it is a standard WMA file, which is a Windows Media file format, whether it's with or without DRM, Something like Audacity should be able to open the file, and you should be able to play it just fine within Audacity. Uh, and if you want to convert it to a different format, Audacity allows you to export in whatever format you want, whether that's AUG or FLAC or you know WAV or MP3. You can choose that, and that should convert it to whatever format you need to play it on your Linux Mint. But it should play in Linux Mint without... You know, with with the DRM there, but if it if it doesn't, maybe it's the player that comes with Mint that won't handle the DRM. Uh, you should be able to play it in Audacity without any problem at all, and actually use that to convert the files as well. Just install Audacity, and away you go. Another thing, a program you can look at, and uh, uh, one that we always say will play just about anything you throw at it, is VLC. If you just want to play it. Yep. Our next feedback is from Ralph, who wrote us an email. Uh, he actually wrote this to Martin Wimpress and to me. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but essentially he is um, 
Ralph is in Germany. He works for a charitable non-governmental organization or NGO called Labdo, L-A-B-D-O-O. We'll have a link in the show notes to their site. And they provide educational content on the internet and all of their work is um, uh, CC by SA, uh, Creative Commons licensed, which allows people to share it. And Ralph asked Martin and me if we could provide Labdo with a copy of my book. Uh, And specifically, they were looking for the Ubuntu Mate, a guide for computer users upgrading from Windows or Mac OS. And he was asking for it in PDF format. So I sent that. And as kind of an additional bonus, uh, I sent the PDF version of the other book that I have using Ubuntu Mate and its applications, the 2004 edition. And so I thought, well, they should probably have the 2004 version of both books. So I sent them both. And just a little bit about Labdo. Um, they serve, according to Ralph, more than 540,000 pupils around the world. Uh, and many of their teachers and students are wanting to get in touch with uh, Mate. And they use primarily Lubuntu and LXDE, but they also uh, have switched over to Lubuntu and are interested in Mate. So by providing them with information on Ubuntu Mate, they can learn how to use that, and they can add these books to their collection um, of offline books and wiki materials available to their students and to their teachers. And of course, since the books are licensed Creative Commons, they can make as many copies as they like and include them with their installations of uh, Ubuntu on the computers that they provide. Nice. So there you go. So this is your way of telling me I'm not getting a royalty check off this book either. Uh, You broke up and I didn't hear what you said. (laughs) So I'm not getting any royalty payments out of this book. Oh, oh, oh. No, I'm not saying that. (laughs) You're not getting the royalty payments, but I'm not saying that. (laughs) There you go. Okay. Okay. Now, about this uh, Labdo, uh, don't they use... Don't they use like old laptops and and, and sell Linux on them? Yeah, they, we'll have a link do. in the show notes to what they do. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, they they do exactly that and provide uh, the computers to the students. And uh, yeah, they they do a lot of good work. And you can read more about what they do and how to contribute and and uh, everything else um, uh, about what they're what they're involved with there. So just well, go to cool. the link. Yeah. All right. So our next email comes from David, who wrote us uh, in the last listener feedback episode, and he's providing an update. Uh, And then another question. He says, I am running Ubuntu Mate, and as a heavy user of Excel, LibreOffice and FreeOffice were just jokes when it came to spreadsheets. However, OpenOffice came through for me, just had to decode how to pull in CSV files where the date worked correctly, but plenty of notes from uh, from folks who had some issue. 
uh, that got me over the hump. Right now I am running Parallels, but probably for not much longer. I like Linux. Uh, am I wrong to take a little extra time to do stuff on Linux because one, it's free and I am retired and stock market recent trends have me looking for free? <laughs> and two, isn't it more secure than Windows? One last note, Windows Excel calculates and runs faster on Windows 10 than OpenOffice runs and calculates on Mint, but the difference is tolerable. Thanks. I guess being under house arrest with this world epidemic is turning me into a geek and or Larry too. <laughs> <laughs> so in answer to question one, uh, is looking for free software bad? No, it's not bad. And whether it's a no. matter of you being retired and worried about not being able to afford software or whether it's just because you don't want to have to pay for software when you can get it for free. Either way, it is, uh, it's, it's a good thing, I think. And supporting open source is always good. Uh, regarding question two, isn't Linux more secure than Windows? Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> simple answer. Yeah, simple. Um, for a number of different reasons. It's not that it can't be attacked. It's just that, first of all, if it does get attacked and there are some insecurities, it typically gets fixed more quickly than Windows does. And secondly, because it was designed with security in mind. And today's Windows, I think, is. But originally, when the very first uh, Windows came out, and even for quite a few years after that, uh, security was kind of an add-on afterthought. It's kind of the way it goes. You, uh, If you're using Windows, it's going to be less secure because, well... There's a lot of that original code still in today's Windows, even though it is much more secure than it was before. So there's the possibility of of insecurity there. And, of course, there's, you know, you, you definitely need to have antivirus or some sort of anti-malware software running on a Windows computer to ensure that it is absolutely safe, whether that's Microsoft's version or whether it's one of the add-ons that your Windows computer manufacturer provides you the free trial of that expires and then you forget to uninstall it and everything else that goes on there. Okay, uh, our next email is from Highlander who wrote a couple of emails about installing programs on live Kali Linux. Bill and Larry, I know Kali Linux is a, has a bit of a reputation as far as white hats and black hats are concerned, but I thought I would show you that it's possible to have a bit of fun with it. Take a look at the pictures attached to this email. So I know our audience can't do that, but I did. Uh, and I'm running a live version of Kali weekly on my machine. The OS has been booted live from my multi-boot flash drive using the command sudo apt get install DOSBox inside the terminal while connected to the internet. The DOSBox package got installed. The Star Trek game that was running inside DOSBox emulator was a game that got released back in 1988 on software libraries and BBS bulletin boards. The game is available for you to play if you want it. Let me know. I don't know, guys. Maybe I'm feeling a bit geeky lately. Enjoy Highlander. And the second email is, Hello, Bill and Larry. Last time I emailed, I showed you it is possible to install DOSBox on Kali. Now I'm branching out and installing Zoom and Skype on live Kali distro. Skype was easier to install than Zoom, 
There were some missing packages in the Zoom install, so I had to fix it through the terminal. Why, you ask? Well, just for the fun of it, aka to see if it's possible. I've, enjoy I've included pictures in this email as well as proof. Enjoy, Islander. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Cali Linux Live. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. I haven't used Cali, <laughs> and I believe you. <laughs> we we trust you. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, thanks for doing that, Highlander. Yeah, I I think uh, the people are getting stir crazy. Let's just see what we can get we can get Linux to do. Yes. <laughs> so our next email comes from Adrian, and he has a soulless question. He writes, "Hey guys, thanks for all your toils over the years. I've been a regular listener." of Going Linux for over a year now, and I really appreciate your warm, ticking, next-door style presentation. I've also found you extra agreeable, as I, too, am exceedingly fond of Ubuntu Mate. Now, I don't mean to sound like a turncoat, but I am also really enjoying Solus OS. Trouble is, I can't seem to get it to boot on my 2011 MacBook Pro. Do you know why this might be, or how to get it to work. Uh, it, every other distro works uh, first time. I just don't know what I'm doing wrong. Thanks uh, again from Australia, Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I did some research based on okay. his description of his MacBook Pro in 2011, and it looks like it's a x86 a 32-bit machine oh. as opposed to a 64-bit machine so i sent him a link on that and basically you're out of luck unless you use a different distribution since solus is one of those projects that only has a 64-bit version available so you may need to look for a 32-bit version of linux to install uh, and just on the off chance that our listeners do have a MacBook Pro where they're having some trouble installing Solus, I provided some links in the show notes to some things that I found about installing Solus on a MacBook Pro, some things to watch out for, and some specific things to do in order to make it work. All right. Thanks, Adrian. Okay, our next email is from Jack Death, who wrote about Episode 389, he writes about 17 minutes and 55 seconds and closer to the 24-minute mark, Bill is talking about how Linux Mint allows you to change colors so nicely. This is very true. However, if you want more and nicer color options, including a large variety of color options for your mouse cursor, I recommend installing some additional apps. Just have folks open a terminal and type in sudo apt get install and then the package called fonts.oxygen, libreoffice-style-oxygen, oxygen cursor theme, oxygen-cursor-theme, oxygen-cursor-theme-extra, oxygen-icon-theme, oxygen-sounds. This will give folks a huge selection of really nice-looking icons and cursor color options, as well as some additional sound effect choices. Also, the Boomerang Project created a series of themes that will let you 
make your Linux Mint look like various versions of Windows for those people that really miss their Windows interface. To install the extra themes, have folks unzip the attached file. Well, we're not going to attach any files to our podcast. Uh, to their downloads folder using the archive manager of choice. And then he provides some things that I'm guessing he got from the Boomerang project, a zipped file with themes in it and some instructions on how to do that. Uh, I would recommend that you go to the Boomerang project and uh, go get that yourself and follow their instructions on essentially uh, unzipping the file and putting it in your user.themes folder. Uh, And... He says this will create a hidden folder in their user profile. This automatically installs the new themes to their Linux Mint, making them available in their themes app and in their system settings. We're doing this for our more seasoned customers. Remember, Jack Death is Troy, who is uh, working for a company that provides computers to their customers. So he says that we are doing this for our more, quote, seasoned customers, i.e. old people, who (laughs) find it a little (laughs) less comfortable switching to Linux from something that they may have used for several years, thereby making it a little less of a culture shock for them. They can use their new Linux computer by working with a user interface they are already familiar with. Linux Mint is awesome, and our customers who are switching to it are really liking it. Keep up the great work, guys. Troy, a.k.a. Jack Death. Okay. So, <laughs> so disclaimer here. Uh, the views of Jack Death are not that of the Going Links podcast. <laughs> uh, you're just too politically correct, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Shall we go to our last email? <laughs> yeah. Our last email... Uh, comes from David. He has a problem printing PDFs. Hi, Larry. Hi, Bill. Most importantly, please accept my good wishes to you, yours, and the Going Linux community, i.e. the minions, throughout the world during this difficult time. And he says, stay healthy. Uh, Yes, it has been a while since I've written you. I should have just uh, written to give you positive remarks. You do a great job, and I continue to enjoy listening to you. The reality is that one doesn't write until there's need for assistance. Nevertheless, please uh, first accept my continuing thanks for your time and commitment. I have a problem. (laughs) I have searched the forums and have not found a similar one. Suddenly, when I print a PDF, the headings, graphics, and boxes are printed, but the contents are not. I run Linux Mint 19.0 and have an HP desktop 3835. I have printed PDF successfully before, including the one I just tried. Xreader is the software used, and I have uh, brought down different PDF software from the repositories, uh, in events, etc., uh, and even a proprietary one recommended in the forums, Master PDF Editor, but exactly the same story. I see the data on the screen using the PDF viewers, no problem. It just won't print it. Yet, the headings and graphics on the page are printed. I figured out a workaround through, though that works by opening the PDF with GIMP and exporting it 
to JPEG, I can then print the JPEG successfully using the standard photo viewer, XViewer. What gives? Any ideas? Stay well. Best test, David. Oh, um, the only thing I can think of, do you, do you think they might be protective PDFs and it won't let you print what's in them? Or will let you print the form? Yeah, we exchanged a few emails and that's one of the things I looked at. And apparently it's not a um, protected PDF or it didn't appear to be at the time. And I he's he's already tried changing the drivers and he's got HP lip uh, LIP the um, uh, the driver for the specific HP printer scanner fax that he's got and we looked at maybe it was a color selection issue we tried printing it in black and white to see if maybe that would show some problem trying to diagnose the problem back and forth here so after several emails over the past month, I got one this morning from David, which just came in. It says, I am so embarrassed. How can I be so stupid? Sounds like he fixed the problem. Let's read on. Oh, okay. Blame it, blame it on the coronavirus isolation. I was so fixated <laughs> on the problem being with the PDF software that I didn't go back to basics. Today, I tested with a letter that I had just scanned and nothing was printed, not even the logo letterhead, which had been in my other tests. Then it finally hit me. The letterhead of the letter was black, even though both the printer and the HP LIP showed both ink cartridges to be low, but okay, I changed them, and lo and behold, problem solved. He <laughs> was out of ink. Okay. Being the 50th anniversary, he continues, being the 50th anniversary of Apollo 13, I have been listening to the podcast, to a podcast about it, great, by the way, from BBC, link below. The miracle of their safe return was thanks to many amazing abilities of mission control and the crew among them was being able to look at each critical problem with open eyes. Obviously, mine with this trivial problem were shut. Sorry for <laughs> wasting your time, but great to know that you have my back. I won't be too upset if you include this on listener feedback. It's a lesson to us all. Maybe... Uh, well, maybe just give a summary without mentioning my name. <laughs> Too late, David. <laughs> and he has a link to the uh, the podcast on the BBC, which we'll include in the show notes. Let me just add that right now. Okay. Well, thanks, David. And uh, sorry to embarrass you publicly. Uh, at least, you know, our podcast had limited international around the world distribution. So, Yeah. <laughs> There's that. It, it's okay, David. Uh, just so you don't feel alone. Uh, one day, I was uh, someone asked me to look at the computer; it wouldn't turn on, and I'm going through it, and I, I'm like, I don't understand it. Everything looks fine, you know, it's plugged in, but I didn't notice until I sat there and thought about it for about two hours. Like, oh, it's not plugged into the wall. The laptop was dead. <laughs> <laughs> so we've all done those kinds of things we've done those so it's all right uh, I, I was just looking at them and i just happened to look over and like hmm that might be a reason that there's no power because the laptop's dead and it, apparently one of his kids had pulled it out of the wall and he just mm -hmm. didn't notice <laughs> yep so yeah we all do those so i'm glad you got it fixed <laughs> 
Well, thanks to everybody who has provided our voicemails and our emails. And as always, this is uh, this is great. And as always, we haven't decided what our next episode is going to be. Bill, have we? I haven't. No. <laughs> It'll be something. It'll be something great. And you can look we, forward to we it. We can kind of slack on that. But, yeah. you know, we, yeah. I'm blaming it on COVID-19. Yeah, I can <laughs> guarantee it will not be about COVID-19. So No, no. Can we get to an episode without talking about COVID-19? Uh, not for a while. Yeah, let's see if we can. <laughs> okay. So until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinks.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.